thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And thanks again for joining us. And ladies, don't forget, oh, and the fellas listening as well, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media handles. Ash is uh, Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. I am DrAndrea.xo on Instagram and The Period Whisperer on Facebook. And uh, also, we haven't asked for this for a while, Ash, so I'm going to do it now. Um, Please make sure that you have like, subscribe, all of that normal stuff that you do with podcasts and uh, feel free to rate and review the show because we love you for doing that. So thank you so much. Um, We're going to get nerdy tonight. Ash, it's cool. It's so cool. I had so much fun researching and and reading about this. And I realized that, um, you know, researching actually activates my dopamine pathway. Like I I get full high when I'm reading and I'm curious and intrigued. I'm just like getting this buzz. And I'm like, is this a dopamine hit? Like everyone talks about it, you know, coming from other sources. But I'm like, I think you and I actually nerding out gives us a buzz. And even just recording um, for a couple of reasons, Ash, like one, we get to um, spend time learning, which is one of our highest values, of course, that that keeps us so motivated. We get to spend time together as well, which is so great. And we just love um, teaching 
So it sort of ticks all of those boxes for us. So I really think that we do get this little dopamine um, dump or release from just podcasting in the first place. Um, And that's what tonight's show is all about. It's about dopamine. It's about dopamine hacks. It's about, you know, understanding this really incredible neurotransmitter and ways that you can, I guess, make it work for you. I guess that's oh, the point. Yeah, and also just looking at how in this, you know, modern world we're living in, we're really all becoming dopamine junkies and mm. how it's contributing to a rise and rise of dissatisfaction and uh, I guess disconnection from our lives um, and our sources of happiness. So we really want to trigger a few thoughts uh, for all of you tonight listening because we think that when you can get real and realise that there's so many ways in which we keep triggering these dopamine junkie pathways we all have, um, there's so much satisfaction in acknowledging, simplifying and potentially detoxing from the sources uh, that keep these cravings going. Um, I've read so much interesting, I guess, discussion on why dopamine serves as a powerful source of uh, drive that's going to get us to do great things and achieve great things, but also how it can be paralyzing. It can keep us locked in spirals or in cycles um, of essentially dissatisfaction that we keep trying to feed this demon, feed this beast um, that will never be satisfied and how we can actually free ourselves from that cycle, which I think is really important because we are looking at an epidemic rise in mental health issues and we have to sort of consider what some of those sources might be. And I have no doubt, based on some of the literature that we've been reading here, that the the dopamine cascades, uh, that hormonal trigger is a big part of it. And Ash, I think that this is almost a um, important episode to consider on the back of the one that we did around focus, where we also mm. were talking about things like um, ADHD tendencies and just the really alarming rate that we're seeing um, of, of that diagnosis in not only our kids, but in adults as well. Um, I cannot tell you how many 30-year-old females have been coming into the practice going, I think I have ADHD. I think all of my friends have ADHD. And is it actually that or is it now that we are the first generation, you know, we are the the millennials of the first generation with smartphones, mm-hmm. with such a tiny little attention span, but also now with things like social media and gaming and everything else that's literally at our fingertips. It's this constant dopamine dump that we're looking for. And just because of the nature of dopamine and because of our thresholds that we normally have, the more we get, the more we want. But then that's just leading to that addictive tendencies and cycles over time. Um, So, okay, I think we need to backtrack a little bit. What is dopamine? (laughs) Um, So dopamine is a neurotransmitter. um, So it's a chemical messenger. And I have always thought of dopamine as the neurotransmitter that makes life worth living. So um, in contrast to, say, serotonin, serotonin is a is a mood modulator where dopamine is what gives us that sense of reward. So I've always understood it to be, it's what kicks in after say orgasm, or if we've done a really good job of something, we kind of get these little dopamine hit um, from our brain. But unfortunately, this is also what we get when we get lots of likes on Instagram. We get that little dopamine rush. Um, It is definitely something that is released um, in varying degrees with certain um, addictions as well and anticipations 
for addictive things too. So this is why dopamine is so um, intricately linked to addictive tendencies because it kind of gives us that sense of satisfaction and it plays this role in how we actually feel pleasure. So just the seeking of possibly things that we're addicted to or things that make us feel good is going to keep reinforcing that, um, you know, pleasure reward system that is that dopamine. Um, So it is definitely a great thing, but it certainly has this Goldilocks effect in our body. We want not too much, not too little, and we need it to reinforce our joy for motivation (laughs) and for, you know, doing a hard job and all of those sorts of things, Um, but hopefully not be addicted to that dopamine dump from negative tendencies. Yeah, and that dopamine rush is exactly what uh, all social media is geared towards, right? This is they attribute the rise of TikTok to this idea that the reels just keep playing, which just keeps feeding this dopamine uh, surge in our bodies and brain. And the problem with this is that for every high, there's a low. So with dopamine, what goes up must come down. And this is this um, craving, this constant need and drive to seek it again. And so people say, yeah, but what, what, what is addictive behavior? Why does that happen? Like, how come, you know, let's say I always call it chasing the sh- new shiny object syndrome, which is this <laughs> idea, right? Like, oh, yeah. people go, oh, the new iPhone, like 14S is coming out or whatever. I have no idea. I'm just making stuff up. But, um, but oh, you know, and then I'm totally. just like, and I'm like, well, that's cool. But they're like, they need to have it. Like they need to have it now um, because the last time they opened that box and that package and, and feel that, you know, that, that rush they got from something new and expensive and tangible right there in their hands and it's this whole rise and rise of um, online shopping for example oh man these are these yep. things Don't like I know it <laughs> yeah it's this idea that it, it triggers that release but the problem on the back side of that is that we have it and then it's gone yeah. and then we need it again um you know and I was reading you know an interesting comment on how we we all think you know dopamine is technological driven but the well, I hate to say the word the crystal meth is the highest source of dopamine yes. surge so this is why crystal meth is so extraordinarily addictive um far beyond anything our natural brain can handle so essentially don't go near drugs <laughs> oh, <laughs> but totally. on the flip side how much of this new world we live in compared to the past uh, is addictive by nature it's designed to be. What do you think marketing is all about? <laughs> so, we're you know we're dealing with so many people with minor addictions. I think both you and I have pretty good grasp on our ability to be introspective, and when we feel like something's getting too much, we just both of you and I do the same thing. We go cold turkey. Have you noticed mm. how like you do it? I do it too. Where it's just yeah. like, okay, I think we're at a threshold here where this is not healthy and not valuable to my life. You know, how many hours in a day do I have? And I've just wasted X number on these things that mm. doesn't serve me. Um, but for most people, that, that's just not an easy thing to do. You know, it's it's an, a lack of awareness or it's, um, I guess, an ignorance to the fact that it is addictive because how can it be? It makes me feel good. Totally. And I think, um, Ash, whenever I find myself in those um, loops where you're mm. just like searching for that next dopamine high, um, you're right, we sort of uh, do have the ability to go, okay, enough is enough. Um, let's sort of change the behaviours. And there is actually ways to reset those addictive behaviours, but it typically takes about 30 days to mm. reset that sort of dopamine threshold and reward system. But I, I find that sometimes I'll just do a swap. So instead of um, maybe having chocolate 
or reaching for that all the time. There'll be, I'm, I've probably replaced it with things and I definitely haven't been able to kick the caffeine, um, you know, addiction, which is definitely, and even I think that it's so deeply um, ingrained in my reward system is that I will already right now, I'm already looking forward to the coffee I'm going to have tomorrow morning. Like, yeah, interesting, and isn't it? I have coffee after I walk the dogs in the morning. That's like my kind of pattern. And I will get to a certain part of our walk and I'll know that it's like, oh, cool, it's almost time for coffee. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And yep. this is exactly what um, it's all geared towards. They talk about uh, what, you know the effect of dopamine and 50% comes from a genetic disposition. So obviously some people are more wired towards addictive behaviours or personality, you know, they say addictive personality types. Really that just comes down to genetic factors. But the other 50% comes from environmental factors, which includes access, which is what you're talking about. Yep. Now, if you didn't have access to it, you would be able to modulate and moderate your your dopamine responses to that but because we have so much access to everything it's at the click of fingers it's the you can even call ahead now or send a text message and they have the coffee sitting on the counter (laughs) when you walk past right you don't even have to talk to someone you can be like an addict and just dial up a dealer or you can just have Um, a really good coffee machine at home and uh... (laughs) exactly so you know so all these things relate to that and i think that's one of the biggest things is that we're living in contemporary society and access is our biggest challenge yeah whether it be chocolate, whether it be our phone in our hand, whether it be any other thing that, you know, satisfies that dopamine rush. Um, I think, you know, for me, when you read some of the studies and you start to look at, like, I always wondered why you'd you'd have the same things. When you travel, you look at these people in developing nations who have nothing, Mm. but there's so much joy Mm. You know, they're just playing with a ball that's made out of a T-shirt wrapped up with some elastic bands and they're kicking it around and there's actually pure joy. Like there's just joy. You can feel it. You can see it. There's there's this incredible human connection going on between people while they do something. Um, And I used to think how is it that people in such poor countries literally living in the dirt, eating, you know, off the floor with their hands, seem and appear more joyous, more mm. more heart-fulfilled than most of the people I know who have monstrous houses in some of Sydney's best suburbs. And I'd come home from these holidays and be racked with this sense of like almost like Western guilt. Like why do oh, I yeah. why aren't I so incredibly joyous? I have so much compared to to these people that I've just traveled with or been around for a period of time and and it's just that thing going, it doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, it doesn't make sense because in the last 30 years, study after study has shown that Western nations have been decreasing in their life satisfaction scores. And mm. this is called the World Happiness Report. So you can go and look that up. And basically those um, global depression rates are increasing, satisfaction's decreasing, um, you know, a sense, of, a sense of self is decreasing. Who am I and where do I belong in this world? Mm. That those factors are decreasing, and I just you have to wonder whether it relates to this idea that we just have so much distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of commentary about this idea that we can't be comfortable in our own minds. We're oh. no longer able to sit in solitude in our own mental space. We have to be distracted, and anytime we're uncomfortable, we distract ourselves from discomfort. So rather than feeling through pain or experiencing uncomfortable situations or dealing with hard stuff, 
we distract ourselves. And I think that is so incredibly true. Um, and they say that, you know, in order to, to create satisfaction, you have to have an ability to sit in a sense of stillness or sense of silence. And how hard is that to do in the contemporary world? So we constantly interrupt ourselves with distraction, which is fascinating. Oh, Ash, you are so spot on about that. And we, ha- we all have a dopamine set point, right? And I do yeah. think that possibly in the Western world, when we're constantly participating in these dopamine stimulating activities, we just don't get the same joy from those normal behaviors. Whereas what you were referring to in, say, the third world countries and definitely what I experienced in, um, you know, it, like certainly in India with those kids is you're absolutely right. Like they have – to our perspective, they they have nothing, right? Mm. But they are so joyous, and it, and part of that is because their truly their dopamine set point is just so different, mm-hmm. um, and their pursuit of pleasure and reward is so different to what you know we're so used to and experience in the Western world. And you're absolutely right; no one can. Um, sit comfortably in their own space, in their own company, in their own mind in a comfortable way. And like I am certainly um, not immune to this at all. And um, it's that monkey mind that sort of just takes over and goes, great, okay, let's just think about all of these things that we need to deal with (laughs) and, um, you know, everything else. So no wonder we seek those levels of distraction. And so because of the fact that dopamine is what's reinforcing, um, you know, pleasure for us, what's reinforcing all of those behaviours, it also helps us to um, focus. It helps us to find things interesting. Um, it's really involved in how we learn. It's, our own, it's part of the, the motivation sort of cycle, but it's also involved in our heart rate, our vascular function, very much our moods, obviously, but our attention span, our pain and processing, or sorry, our pain processing, and but also our movements. So because of the fact that it's involved in all of those things and it also gives us that, I guess, sense of of pleasure and reward, that's why dopamine is related to things that we see in the Western world all the time like eating disorders, um, you know, uh, gambling, um, gaming addictions, uh, you know, compulsive sex behaviours, for example. Um, but also on the other side of that, it's also related to things like fatigue, trouble focusing, mood changes, insomnia and sleep disturbances, anxiety, lack of motivation, feelings of guilt and hopelessness. So that's why we talk about this sort of Goldilocks effect and why we have those thresholds or that set point. Um, that's really important for us to sort of understand so that we can modulate our highs and lows because exactly as you said, when you have a peak, you're going to have a trough as well. Mm, Um, mm. And when we're constantly seeking those dopamine um, dumps, as as I call them, or those dopamine spikes, like what you would get with, say, for example, um, a hit of using methamphetamines, which is the highest dump that you're going to get there's a huge trough that comes after that Um, and there's other things that really max it out so um, one can be just anticipation for food 
which is why it's so deeply involved in eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, nicotine as well increases uh, the release of dopamine by 150%. Um, cocaine increases it by 1,000%. Um, I think caffeine is like a five times increase or something like that. But remember, there is that that troth that comes afterwards. Mm. And our response to each of those stimuli sort of dulls over time, which is why, for example, if you're wanting a caffeine hit, over time it's not going to have the same impact on you because of how it can blunt those responses. And isn't that disappointing because then you realise that every time that thing that you were chasing becomes less and less enjoyable, which is ironic because you chase it more because you're essentially dependent on the stimulus to keep that hit coming. Um, And look, and as you said so eloquently, it completely compromises our attention span. Um, And the reason it does this is because when we're constantly seeking this instant gratification, these dopamine fixes, uh, we're living in the limbic brain, which is our emotional processing. And that means that we're not using our prefrontal cortex as much, which is the way we deal with the future planning and the problem solving. And that's all part of our personality development too. So again, you know, it's that idea of staying in pleasure and not being able to move through pain or discomfort, which is what we need at our frontal context cortex to do is to help us deal with situations Mm -hmm. so instead we distract ourselves and sit back in our emotional brain Um, and that's really interesting to see how it's actually rewiring how we use our brain uh, in the context of the modern world and it could I think account for a huge shift in our resiliency like we just recently had Anzac Day and I love Anzac Day because for me personally it is the deepest and most leveling uh, day of the year. It's incredibly and intensely humbling. I've always found it as an empath, I can be really caught in a dark place for the day. Like I find it really hard to get my head out of feeling and thinking and hearing those stories. And it always brings in this huge degree of firstly gratitude, mm-hmm. um, but then also a reminder to sit in discomfort just like our forefathers and our grandparents had to do so much and so often. Mm. You know, remembering my grandmother separated from her husband not knowing where he was for months on end, like I don't know that people today can handle that stuff. You know, we go out of our minds, right, and we've got this instant world where, oh, they didn't answer a text message 15 minutes ago, like, you know, and we we start panicking and freaking out. We can't handle half a day without someone talking to us or messaging us or texting us. And all of these little clicks, likes, follows, these are all triggering these dopamine responses and I think it's for me personally um, a really important thing to reflect on discomfort to find sources of pain Mm. and and I actually think that's partly why throughout my life I've been very attracted to the discomfort of intense sport I have always found the pain of training the pain of racing finding those physical and mental endpoints hugely satisfying more satisfying than any number of likes and follows on social media could ever give me and i think that's why you and i are probably very similar we don't seek a lot of gratification from social media you don't see us post a lot because 
we also are quite aware of not falling into that trap mm. of needing, of wanting, of you know, desire. I thought you said we're both we're both very much like I'm like, oh man, nah, you, that's just you for the exercise. Um, I definitely <laughs> have not sought pain. I mean, pleasure from the pain of I wish I did. I think my pain, um, and it's funny that you say that because pain and pleasure is, are so close mm-hmm. in the brain yeah. and the yeah. stimulation of those pathways is normally one and the same, yeah. um, which is why, again, unfortunately, self-harming practices are also, um, for some people, ways to have that kind of dopamine dump. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for mine, it, it, you know, one of those things that I've always been drawn to is possibly stepping outside my comfort zone with things like, um, you know, teaching and public speaking and that sort of stuff has been yeah. my sort of way to really sort of stretch myself and but I also see that once, um, for example, we've done a really good job of something, Ash, like we've achieved an incredible goal and we've ticked that box and it's amazing, it's literally like the next day it's like, okay, what's next? You yeah, know? we start creating the next thing, don't we? Because it's Planning. that pursuit yeah. of yeah. achievement. It's the pursuit. That in itself is dopamine rewarding. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to actually even be the action or the event or the achievement itself. It's the pursuit of that. Yeah, very true. Absolutely. So I guess let's talk about some of the ways that we, because we, we've obviously given a few of the ideas of the ways we pursue dopamine. Mm. You know, we look at how our lifestyles reflect the, the desires, you know, that, that pursuit um, that brings happiness and satisfaction to us. So we all have it. It's wired into us. It's it's the reason every single human being on this planet ever born ever since the dawn of time, has had these dopamine receptors set in their brains. Why? It's the thing that made, you know, ha-ha-ha men chase women, you know, and yeah. try and find, find a mate. Um, it's the thing that the thrill of the, the hunt, you know, getting the the, the prey and, and being the, the top of the chain, the predator. Um, it's why you can see, you know, addictive behaviours in relationships that we, we, we know people find themselves in a cycle of pursuing a relationship, getting into a relationship, finding it dissatisfying because the, the thrill of the chase is over and then doing the whole thing again. Uh, it's very primal it's just sitting in the brain waiting to be activated so we have to be aware of it we also have to think of ways you know instead of swiping mindlessly through all the different socials that we could be looking at or um, realizing we just spent two hours of our life reels going click 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 just turning over that's why they do that you don't have to click on the next reel it constantly feeds over so that it feeds this dopamine response so it keeps you on there longer which is just fascinating psychology so these People that design and create all the different apps and the different socials are, you know, so much smarter than we realise because they know this, that they've built this into their programs, into their their apps, into the services they offer because that's what it does, that gives you that satisfaction. Um, uh, and so if you think of your favourite thing that you use, <laughs> yeah, if you think of the favourite social media platform you use, that's what it does for you. Um, that's why it is a favourite. So, look, how do we all deal with these dependencies? And I call them dependencies because we do have – a dependency on something mm-hmm. we want more of it so that's dependent um i would like to think that there's lots of healthy ways to source dopamine uh, because we know there's some really you know proven ways to do so um some of them relate to lifestyle some of them relate to diet um some of them relate to just modifying behaviors so 
I've already mentioned exercise, and that's one of the top ones. Exercise is absolutely recommended. Uh, the research shows that it boosts endorphin levels, and that relates to improving mood. And of course, as soon as you've improved your mood, you know, after as little as 10 minutes of aerobic exercise, uh, that's going to reduce addictive tendencies. That's going to reduce, you know, pleasure seeking because you're getting that internal drive, that internal endorphin release um and it's one of the best ways to increase your dopamine is with mm. exercise mm. um and all of these things that we're going to go through is actually ways to increase your baseline levels mm. so that your lows will be less low <laughs> if that makes sense yeah, um, yeah and you can actually get a better sense of pleasure and enjoyment from these things so um exercise is absolutely the top Next after that is excellent quality sleep. Yes. So our dopamine levels are naturally higher in the morning um, and consistent bedtimes also help to um, just regulate that production as well. Um, let's go back and forth, Ash. What, what else? Oh, I, I loved that I was reading some research that actually indicated music oh, um, yes. as a value because I found this. Sometimes Pete and I just lie on the couch and we will listen to – our favourite musicians um, live in concert and it's honestly the most pleasurable experience. Like I get goosebumps sometimes when they hit notes and I'm just like, oh, you know, that breathless yeah. feeling of just like, oh, my goodness, that's incredible. And I'm really grateful Pete spent a ridiculous amount of money on an incredible sound system because the quality just – goes through every cell of my body and I'm just like oh and reading the research there was a study in 2011 um that was showing the effects of dopamine on the impact of music and they had a nine percent increase in brain dopamine levels when people listened to music um predominantly instrumental songs that gave them chills and I was like oh kaboom that's exactly what happens to me no wonder I have nights where I'm like Pete can we just put on some music and those particular musicians just make me go Oh, that's so, so if you love beautiful. music and you yeah. love going to, you know, events and things, not necessarily being high as a kite, you know, at a big concert, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's also addictive, but that's not the right addictive we're trying to talk about. Um, but, you know, if you feel yourself drawn towards instrumental music, there's a reason for it because that has a, a really positive effect on dopamine response. Yeah, I would strongly recommend turn off Netflix and mm -hmm. put some music on in the house and it will absolutely change your mood. Um, mm -hmm. Dean bought me a record player for Christmas and I love the ritual of coming home, especially when he's at home, um, and the house is silent apart from the dogs and I'll put a record on it and it's just like because with something like Spotify and listening to that, it's always the change and you've got so many options that I'm just like constantly going, oh, next, next. But with a record, you just let it play and it's just bliss. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah. And not being beautiful. selective helps to reduce that pleasure-seeking, right? Ah, just just accepting what comes yeah. next as opposed to like, oh, skip, skip, skip. Oh, this one, skip, 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 this one. It's, it's about being patient enough to just allow all of it to play through and that's part of it as well is that um, – delayed gratification so okay my favorite song is number five and instead of skipping to number five you know you, you just have to let um, yeah. that pathway unfold and that's part of it and that's almost like the qualities of meditation and that's another thing that mm -hmm. is highly recommended to help regulate dopamine I find you know meditation is just 
discussed in so many levels of health and well-being, right? Anything related to mental health, stress responses, endorphin production, dopamine responses, and obviously it has a huge impact. So for people who've never meditated before, it can be really hard to to get into. Mm -hmm. I was recently uh, introduced to some ideas that the Dutch uh, have coined a term called Nixon. Um, Nixon. In Dutch, Nix means like nothing, nothing. And so the idea is that you do nothing. <laughs> literally do nothing and so you set aside a time to do nothing and it sounds really easy but it's you know from the discussions it's incredibly hard to do nothing because you feel like I should be doing something mm-hmm. it's a bit of a push against this idea of meditation where you have to still the mind and quieten everything because they're like well most people can't do that so instead of trying to quieten everything just let all the noise wash through your head until eventually the noise has to fade away whether it takes an hour or two or four but in the process of doing nothing um, eventually your head noise stops Mm -hmm. and I was like huh I wonder how long it would take me I haven't tried Nixon (laughs) like I'd like to try this Nixon concept to see if I could do nothing Um, I I will tell you if I'm ever successful in such a thing because I I get impatient I'm like all right okay time to get stuff done (laughs) oh totally and I like that just do Nixon. Um, Ash, even meditation for five to ten minutes is going to help. Absolutely. Um, so it doesn't have to be something where you need two hours in your day or, or something along those lines. So even just short periods. Um, we can increase um, our dopamine building blocks from food. So yes, dopamine definitely. is made from tyrosine mm-hmm. and we absolutely can get tyrosine from food sources such as, you know, animal protein, particularly like beef, lamb, pork, fish, chicken, you know, eggs, dairy, um, beans, certain types of whole grains like oats and quinoa and those sorts of things as well. Um, you can supplement with tyrosine as well, but I always obviously recommend doing that um, under guidance. Um, what else is on your list, Ash? Um, look, I think in order to improve our response to dopamine, we need to reduce the reason that we're triggering it. So I would actually suggest, you know, strong lifestyle actions such as a digital detox where you lock your digital things away for a period of time. Um, Remember we sort of said earlier how access is the key to the addiction? So the tricky thing here is we literally have to have no access. That might mean that we turn phones onto airplane mode and don't turn it off. Or if it's strong enough pull to want to touch and look at that phone, literally lock it in a cupboard and put the key away somewhere else. Um, I had a funny funny, uh, discussion with a girlfriend was saying, oh, when my boyfriend was having such an issue with his phone, um, his his counsellor had told him there's a good trick is to put it in a locked box and then put the key, so get a water bottle, drop the key into the water bottle and then freeze it. So, so it's not gone forever, but it's going to obviously take time to unfreeze the, the water bottle to get to the key. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you can't put it in like a microwave or something because it's metal. <laughs> So I was just like, oh, that is hilarious. And I get it. I get it. What it was was trying to slow down this, like, instant gratification. Mm -hmm. So if there's a sense of, like, let's say a weak moment where you're like, I really, really have to, the time 
is forced upon you. You can't get there quickly. So you either reassess or the craving passes. Um, So I I don't know how to apply that to all things, but I just thought it was a really, really clever idea. I'm like, that's I'll, you know, bank that one in my memory. So, you know, that's why that's come up tonight. Oh, Um, I love that. And um, Ash, it's good that you're sort of suggesting the – the limited exposure, I guess, mm. because when you stack too many dopamine dumping things, like, for example, it just let's think about our morning. If there's coffee, um, say the person was a smoker, so they're getting caffeine, nicotine, and then social media, then they're stacking so many of those dopamine things that they're actually, they will experience less joy, less interest, less desire, less motivation to do whatever it is. Um, so you have to be careful with that. Um, one thing that is so trendy at the moment, um, when it comes to dopamine hacks is actually cold water exposure. So the cold water plunging, (laughs) yep. The ice bars, every second person on, um, on Instagram, I'm, I'm sure is, um, doing ice plunges and I, okay. So I have done a couple. The first one, um, that I did was disastrous. Um, I just had this involuntary response where I, I could not breathe and, um, I got out, but then, I got back in, so I was proud of myself for actually trying again. Um, and look, I can't say it's a pleasant thing because I hate the cold, absolutely hate it. Mm. Um, but that actually increases your baseline levels of dopamine for up to five hours after something like that. So difficult activities like the cold exposure or the exercise, even meditation, even though we may not think of it as hard, but for your brain, that could be particularly. So difficult activities also increase that. Um, so an easy doable, because I know that ice bathing things on trend, not everyone oh, yes. has an ice bath and they can't get themselves an ice bath, or, nor do they even maybe want to. But exactly. you're talking about difficulty. I jump in the ocean throughout winter. So for me, that's the, you know, like there's rough, rough water, fresh water, like it's fresh, it's in chilly, it's it's cold. It's not ice bathy, but it's still a challenge point. You're cold getting in, cold getting out. Like it, it's uncomfortable. It's not mm, pleasant. Um, yeah. But once you've done it, it's like, oh, glad I did that. It's a strange yeah. rush that comes back into the system. Um, the other thing, you know, something very simple that people can do at home is just put the cold water on for 30 seconds mm-hmm. and see if they can tolerate that at the end of a shower. Um, so the last thing you do is you turn the cold tap on for 30 seconds up to three minutes and just see if you can uh, learn to sit in the discomfort that is, oh, I go up in the morning, I've had a lovely warm shower, you know. And so we live in a world that's so pleasure-seeking. We have so much comfort. When was the last time you were truly drowned, wet, soaking? you know camping in a horrible situation that you'd never want to do again i mean most of us don't do that stuff um and that's mm. kind of where that reflection on anzac day always comes in for me i try and imagine myself can i imagine myself how i would handle life in trenches covered in mud you know my feet skin rotting my body freezing my you know my mates sitting there wounded like how can we sit in discomfort and actually be okay with it, learn to tolerate it better? So I think ice bath is the contemporary version of trying to place us into a very uncomfortable state, which is why it's gained mm-hmm. so much traction. Because I think a lot of people realise we're living a pretty cushy, cushy soft life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Amazingly so. And I'll never forget it. One of our friends um, is an ultra marathon runner and she runs, you know, like 100-kilometre stupid, ridiculous things that I just do not understand their desire for that. And they'll do it with injuries or 
you know, whatever it might be. And she, her line is that I'm just very used to and very comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. And I'll never forget that because that really hit me because I thought there is very little in my life that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, is that um, interesting? Yeah, I this think. This kind of relates to that idea though, that question that um, when people talk about, you know, life values, life goals, that simple question of what are the three things you're most proud of, you know, in your life so far? Mm. And if you just sort of think about that now, you know, as you're listening to this, you might realise that a lot of the times at least one of those top three things is when you have been incredibly uncomfortable or in a terrible situation and overcome Mm. the challenge. So you realise that a lot of satisfaction and pride will come from doing the hard stuff. And Mm. I, I can guarantee that my top three all involve significant amounts of discomfort, pain or challenge. You know, I, I'm thinking of them right now and, um, and every one of them has like, Oh wow. When I think or thought I couldn't, or I was, you know, I had to make a choice. Would I come back from that situation? And I chose to do that. And that's what I'm most proud of. I think that's really interesting. Uh, Ash, that's so great. Um, and I can think of, uh, I'm guessing of all the things you're thinking of there, but even just, you know, the birth of your children, I would expect, um, are sort of definitely on that list. Um, okay. You know, the one that one that's actually I'm most proud of is the a trek that we did to Mount Kilimanjaro. And on the second day in of the trek, um, I tore my ankle terribly and the guides and everyone wanted me to go down because my ankle had turned black, you know, it was potentially broken. We, we couldn't degrade the degree of damage because I couldn't stand on it. It was literally a totally non-functional ankle. And myself, Peter, one of our girlfriends was there and, and I was like, I can't let everyone down. I didn't want to let myself down. So I strapped it up and <sighs> pretended it wasn't there and faked it to everyone that's not that bad. But it was the worst, one of the worst injuries I've, I've had in terms of the degree of pain I had to handle for such a long period of time without pain relief. And then we had to go up for the next four days. Um, and I remember getting to the top, just being so proud I got there. But then, like, in the last day going up, I remember thinking, I can go up on this thing. How do I get down on this? Oh, my God. Because loading back down onto a terribly torn ankle is probably far more painful than loading up. You know, like you can walk up a hill on, but coming back down is hard. And I remember just going and all the way down just thinking, F-bomb, 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 like what have I done? Like how am I going to get down off this mountain? They can't heli lift me for this. Um, And, yeah, and just literally sliding down the mountain on my other foot so I didn't have to load weight on that ankle. And I remember getting down thinking of all the things I've done, I'm most proud of this moment because this is a pain and a problem that most people would not push through. Um, And to this day I remember And, you know, it's my professional advice not to do that. No, true, true, but (laughs) The duration of that pain was far greater than anything I experienced in labour of the birth of our children. Wow. So, you know, it was just like the constantness and the degree of pain and the degree of injury and it just was like, yeah. So I'm sure all of you listening have a moment like that. When did you do something so hard that you're so proud of? And lean on that moment because that helps to satisfy those dopamine responses. That helps to remind you that you can do hard stuff. That helps you to stop pursuing all the shiny new objects and realize that the great success, the great satisfaction, the great happiness happens away from the shiny new objects because those things are immaterial. They don't last forever. Mm. As soon as the satisfaction wears off, we need another one. So go, go find 
find hard stuff, go find fun stuff, satisfying stuff, you know, deeply rewarding things that seek your your sense of being. I think a lot of the times as well people forget acts of service. And so this put I put this on the on the my list of things because when you serve others you serve yourself. I mean, how often is it that you've done something nice for someone and you walk away thinking, oh, I feel really good about that. Like yeah. that's a beautiful fix to have. If you could do more good in the world by getting a dopamine hit from helping other people, how much better would the planet be? So I say do 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 acts of service, nice things for people that uh, don't require anything in return, but you get the satisfaction from it. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's a really great list. Let me give you a summary. Okay. So, um, exercise, excellent sleep quality, um, tyrosine rich foods, which remember are your animal proteins, dairy beans, um, some whole grains, music, morning sunlight, uh, meditation, cold exposures or dips do, in the ocean. Do hard stuff. Yep, yep. Do hard stuff, cold showers and acts of service. I think that that's beautiful. Um, We've gone so far over tonight, but I, I, I told you when we were talking, I'm like, this is such a great subject. I think it's so relevant to the world today that we live in and, and every age and stage of life, we're going to have to manage this, this, I guess, age of indulgence that we live in. And also so important for the parents that are listening as well, just <laughs> to monitor um, and help their, their kids and their families modulate this as well. Um, love it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and Ash, I always love your story. So I think that that's always so important. If we can go over on that stuff, it's always great. All right. So ladies, we're going to wrap this up now. You've been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We're raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.